You're listening to WTJU Soundboard for this Friday, March 17th, 2023. I'm Arian Ballou, and this week, Glenn Youngkin papers over education problems, some bad news for Charlottesville's homeless shelters, the source of beer in the Albemarle area, and for arts this week, an upcoming performance by incarcerated students at PVCC. All that and more, let's jump into the stories. Last Thursday, Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin was on CNN for a live broadcast town hall about education policy. This comes as he seems to be eyeing national office. WTJU's Nathan Moore spoke with Richmond-based journalist Peter Galaska. Youngkin seems to want to run for president, and his policies on education have been imitated by a number of Republican politicians since he, you know, last year or so. And however, he's not really registering in the polls. So CNN put him on a town hall, which had primetime broadcast. And I don't know. I mean, in many ways, he did okay. In other ways, he kind of just dodged the issue. It was pretty lame. The CNN write-up about it said, it's always sunny in Glenn Youngkin's Virginia. He just uh, kind of was all smiles and, and acted like there wasn't much controversy. Yeah, I know. I mean, credit him. I mean, he was sort of in control. I mean, he was articulate. He was friendly. But the problem was is that everything is not a problem. And I mean, critical race theory, for example, which he made a big issue about, is not a problem. Transgender, not a problem. And, and even though, like, censorship in schools is not a problem. And so yet other people think it's definitely a problem. How do you think this will land with Republican voters in a Republican primary, you know, next year? Well, I think Republican voters, for the most part, after listening to Trump and DeSantis, are used to something a little bit less pablomy. They want something a little bit more forceful. And the Democrats just don't want to let Youngkin just pretend there's no problem. For Arts This Week, we chatted with PVCC Associate Professor of Theater Arts Brad Stoller about an upcoming physical theater voyage featuring the writings of students in the PVCC Higher Education in Prison program. It's called Sentence. This is Flying in Place number three. It is a new performance of even more writings from our incarcerated students in Virginia prisons. There's poetry that we use with there. There's essays. There's stories. It is a project that is partially funded by the Virginia Foundation for the Humanities grant that is a focus of how to integrate the students because we have students in the prisons. I actually teach in the prison and so does several other professors at PBCC to bring these students into more of a integrated college experience in a way, but it's also to highlight and making their voices more visible. Flying in Place aims to highlight and make visible the voices, experiences, and stories of PVCC students incarcerated in the Virginia prison system. I asked Professor Stoller what Flying in Place means to him and to those involved. I can't express really in words just how satisfying it is to work with something in our society that is generally either discarded or just ignored to just bring to life and to find humanity in all of us. Sentence, Flying in Place 3, is free to the public and will be performed April 28th, 29th, and 30th at the V. Earl Dickinson Building. Charlottesville's only homeless shelter for the elderly and seriously ill will close in June of this year. Charlottesville Tomorrow's Jesse Higgins joins us to tell us more. So the story of KTEG, which is the Charlottesville Alamaro Technical Education Center, 
Albemarle County Public Schools decided that they actually wanted to own KTEC, that they wanted to end their nearly 50-year partnership with Charlottesville City Schools. The two school systems have jointly owned KTEC since they started it in 1973 as a technical education center for students in both Albemarle and Charlottesville to attend tuition-free So in 2018, Albemarle County, the board and also their soon-to-be permanent superintendent, Mass Haas, were concerned about the future of KTEC. They were struggling to get students to enroll. They felt that the programming there wasn't keeping up. And they were also concerned that because the board was, because the school was jointly run, it was just taking way too long to make changes. And it was way too difficult to make changes. So At that point, they raised the desire to be the sole owner of KTEC. Last fall, they made an offer to buy out KTEC from Charlottesville City Schools. And because of the decades-old contract that the two school districts had, as soon as Albemarle County made the offer to buy KTEC, there was no more partnership. Either Albemarle was going to end up owning KTEC or Charlottesville was going to say no and they were going to own KTEC. And city schools ended up saying, no, you can't buy it from us. And because of the way the contract works, that's the end of it. They say no, so therefore they buy it. Charlottesville-based journalist Jesse Higgins. To learn more, sign up for Charlottesville Tomorrow's free newsletter at seavilletomorrow.org. In the recent Virginia General Assembly session, a relatively small number of bills passed both houses. But one that did pass would require age verification at pornography websites. It now awaits the governor's signature. WTJU's Nathan Moore spoke with Richmond-based journalist Peter Galaska. Well, this is interesting because, I mean, you know, after all this hubbub about censorship and sexually explicit material in school school libraries, the fact is, is that for years now, uh, underage kids have been able to dial up Pornhub or whatever they want and watch whatever they want. But anyway, there are ways. I think Louisiana has been a um, leader in this um, to restrict access to under for underage people uh, to porn sites. And what they use are things like this. You might have to, I don't know, they, they, the bill, I don't think it really said explicitly what the details are. But what you can do, the, the system, the sites can demand that you somehow display a government issue ID card like a driver's license showing your age. But the idea has some popularity because, I mean, you know, is it really cool to have your kids watching hardcore porn? And uh, probably not. Uh, limiting access to porn for underage uh, people that that sounds that sounds okay. Yeah, I know. I mean, of course, the problem is whether you get into things where you're looking at, say, legitimate, you know, sites that have some sexual nuance to them, and who's to decide what's really pornographic and who isn't. You know, you go back into history. I mean, there's a lot of you know literature that's um, well, whatever. And I mean, it's not like sex is new. I mean, obviously, it's not. So you can't all of a sudden pretend it is. Top of the morning to all those celebrating St. Patrick's Day here in Charlottesville. While you're sipping on some green beer, you might be wondering where exactly it comes from. Well, wonder no more. In their most recent issue, Seville Weekly went behind the scenes to find out about the people and places that supply Charlottesville with the Irish drink of choice. We spoke with Chief Editor Richard DeChico to find out more. Our feature story this week is answering the question, where does all the beer come from in Charlottesville? Our writer Shay Gibbs 
went and interviewed the key breweries in Charlottesville, the ones that produce the thousands upon thousands of barrels of beer that are made in Charlottesville. So we talked at uh, Selvage Brewing, Champion, Rockfish, Random Road, Decipher, and there's one coming called Superfly. There's the classic ones like Three Notched Brewing as well. And so Shea looked at how they run their companies, you know, how they got through covid And even how they're getting through dry January, because that's a huge thing now where people are trying out some sobriety in January, maybe see how it goes. And now these beer companies are trying to figure out ways to market to those people so they have non-alcoholic beers. They all kind of come at it from different approaches. Three Notch talked about how it started very small with a small team and brewmaster Dave Warwick controlled a lot of what was going on at the brewery. He brewed the beer, he helped with market research research, administrative tasks, marketing, accounting. But now, you know, as the company grew, he spun all of those off. And now it's become the largest beer producer inside Charlottesville. So, you know, they've got an HR director, they've got a marketing department, VP of sales, stuff like that. You know, they looked at how Champion kind of changed up their strategy by focusing on restaurants rather than trying to just solely serve the beer like that retail. There's a new report on the rate of sea level rises for cities up and down the East Coast. It turns out that Norfolk has the fastest acceleration of sea level rise. WTJU's Nathan Moore spoke with Richmond-based journalist Peter Galaska. Well, the report's by the Virginia Institute of Marine Science, which has, you know, been around for a long time. The fact that Hampton Roads and Norfolk are are facing significant jeopardy from fast-living sea level rises is not news, but they're saying it's going faster than just about anywhere else on the East Coast. What's interesting about Norfolk, it is so well-developed, and it's such an important economic and military area. The problem is if you take, like, the Norfolk Naval Base or some of the um, big um, port facilities, you're only talking of a few feet here, and if it comes up and stays... I mean, already staying badly during high tides and bad storms. And what can you do about it? I mean, you know, there have been, there's been talk galore about putting in, you know, breaker, you know, like walls and tidal walls and things like that. But nothing significant has really happened. People who the, the people who make this report card, the Virginia Institute of Marine Science, they they say, hey, look, we're, we're giving you information so that the state has time to plan. As, as you say, what plans can come from this? I mean, it's going to take a huge effort that no one seems willing to make. Let's take the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. States voluntarily go down on their carbon dioxide levels. Some of the money from that, from raised in the market, would go to coastal improvements to mitigate sea level rise in coastal areas. Well, everyone's trying to get it, like Yunkin's trying to get rid of it, and all that money's going to go away if you get rid of it. The thing about the VIMS report, it's just another in a parade of reports all saying the same thing. Thanks to Jesse Higgins, Peter Galaska, Richard DeChico, and Brad Stoller for joining us this week. Our stories were produced by Katherine Hansen and Britton Graber. You can hear the news live on WTJU 91.1 FM. That's weekdays at 9 and 4. And Arts This Week airs every Wednesday at noon and 7. I'm Arian Ballou. Our theme song is Kyoja Beat by Morena Lasco and Jay Pun. Subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts and check out more of our shows at virginiaaudio.org.